My, my daughter was in uh, Tanzania, and I told you she finally learned the language, and the time came when they were going to share the gospel, and the team voted uh, that, that Bethany would be the first one to preach the, you know, the first message to this group. So they worked it all out, you know, and she got her summer prepared, and it's the language called Alaguisa. And they, uh, they, they had written some hymns, you know, like first some songs. And all that. So some Christians from way, way off, you know, hours away knew this was happening. They wanted to support them. So they came and they didn't know a word of this language. They're just going to be sitting there. But, they, you know, just to support the effort, you know. So they came. They're there. So it's like, you know, 15 or 20 there. But when the service started, only three Alaguas showed up. Okay, so this, this is about three people who can actually hear, understand what she's about to say. So they sang the hymns, and during the two, the couple of songs, two of the three left. So my, my daughter's like, okay, obviously I'm very a bad hymn writer and for the Alaco language. <laughs> they just walked out. So it's down to one person. So she's you know, should I go, should we go through with it? Now, you know, we had all this preparation for, you know, really for years actually to prepare for this first event. Do we go through with it? There's just one person in the entire room that can understand this message. I said, well, I'm sure I should go through with it. So she does. And he heard the guy listen to the gospel and he goes on his way. But when she, later we talked on the phone, she, has, she occasionally can get out and call. And so we talked and she said, Daddy, she said, you know, it was so strange because I, I got there and I ended up preaching to one person. And I said, you know, Bethany, isn't that the wonderful truth of the gospel? Here's a woman that gets taken from her life, her, you know, her, group, her homogeneous unit, gets brought over to people group. She gets put down. She doesn't know a word of the language. She has to stumble in there and like, figure out how to say everything. Go all this process, you know, finally learns to talk to them and finally preaches the gospel. And there's one person. Now that, see, that shows you the, how committed God is to the whole thing. You know, to take a person across the entire world to preach the gospel to one man. And of course, they, thankfully, it's grown and other people have heard the gospel, but, you know, it continues to grow. But the point is, that's okay. So Paul didn't sit there by the riverbank and say, you know, one lady, really? I wanted to go to Bithynia there. They already had me lined up there for a, a meeting with a thousand people lined up, you know. Lord, are you sure, Lord, this is your plan? And yet Lydia becomes the first person to come to Christ in all of Europe. And that becomes the tip of the spear, which eventually becomes the great European church movement. So this is the, the cycle of this that uh, continues, and it happens, uh, and I could, if we had time, I'd show you how this happens in Colossae, for example, where the Apostle Paul uh, preaches to Ephesus, and then Epaphras goes to Colossae. Paul, had never, Paul never went to Colossae. All this, the book of Colossians, you know, you assume Paul must have been there. No, he wasn't there. He preached in these major cities, and then they went out, they did this process. So you have this process that happens where, you know, Acts 13, uh, Acts 11, 20, the gospel's preached, they plant the church, they disciple believers, and laborers are sent out. This is essentially the story of the early church obeying the Great Commissions. And what happens in our context is either we don't cross boundaries to preach the gospel, or if we do, we turn it into simply, that's the goal, to go and preach. We don't do any follow-up. We don't do any, any discipleship or are committed to church planting. And then even if we have churches, we often don't show them how important it is to send them out. The church that I go to in Kentucky 
is a church that's only 12 years old. But they've already churches. And that's really a great sign of a, of a vibrant church. Because they could have said, well, you know, we can't afford to lose this group, you know, because part of their group was, lived in a, a, another part where they did this new church. They lost a chunk of their church. You know, but they, that's, that's the vibrancy of the whole thing. And so part of this is to get us into the, um, the strategy. One of the things I learned on, on the mission field is that there's a lot of money and energy and interest kind of generally in the church toward the evangelistic work, like the initial preaching the gospel. People give money to that. So the church does that. So there's a lot less interest in what happens after that. And so it really drops off. And so what you have is you have, uh, you know, they'll say, well, we had this, this whatever happened. And, you know, the, all these people, you know, came or responded or whatever. But the point is, is that then, then you go to the next town, you know, what happens in corporation? That's really the hard work. You know, it's really difficult. I've worked with this years in India where, you know, you have a little beleaguered, beleaguered, beleaguered group, you know, you've got eight people and you're trying to teach them the faith. And it's so much easier actually to keep going out and getting six more. But to actually work with that eight, you know, and then help them to grow. And then they can see, begin to witness. And you multiply the whole thing. Because missionary work is not about you, you know, preaching the gospel to every person on the planet. It's about you helping to be a part of God's mission to see church movements begin where thousands can preach the gospel. People you don't even know. And what's so great is once you actually get the disciple thing going, then the homogeneous unit takes over and they share people that for you is a cross-cultural endeavor, but for them it's just their neighbors. And so the church needs to never forget this cycle and not to lose heart because uh, what happens is that currently, like globally, if you should have the evangelistic enterprise should stay very closely connected to the church plant enterprise. That's what you want. Like I'm, I'm saying as a missiologist saying, what is ideal? Okay, what happens is if the evangelistic thrust moves out, you know, six months or a year before any church plane effort happens, then, okay, you can survive. It's okay. You know, the people come to Christ. Like in North America, you could tell somebody, meet somebody in a mall and you, you preach the gospel, they come to Christ. You can tell them, you know, go to church on Sunday. They can go. There's, a, there's so many options. But if you're in a place where there are no, no churches, they don't, and, and you have that mentality, so you forget, they don't have a place to go. There's a lot of work has to happen. So when I was in India teaching, one of my first kind of aha moments was realizing, oh my goodness, these students are going to, I'm trained to be pastors. I was training pastors in the U.S. and in, in India. They, the, the ones that I was trained in the U.S., they were looking at, well, what church should I go to? And, you know, what, what's the salary? And do they have a parsonage or not? Do, and what is the pension plan? Okay, all of those conversations. And those are all conversations that are common in the West. Okay, in India, pension plan, building, congrega congregation, where? All right, so I realized, oh my goodness, they have to go plant the church that they're going to pastor. That's a very different enterprise. You had to learn and adjust to those rhythms. What does it mean? How do you help someone to do that? So anyway, they, they go out. So what's happened is the evangelistic enterprise has gone, moved so rapidly ahead of the church planning enterprise, the discipleship initiative, that now it gets to be two years, three years, five years. When you get that kind of gap, then you have retention problems. People go back into Islam. It's been a big problem because we, we put some emphasis on this. So we rejoice that someone has been evangelized, but we don't rejoice that anybody's been discipled. 
It's not something we even talk about hardly. I'm not saying you, but this is just the church as a whole problem. So one of the concerns that I have is if the Great Commissions are really taken seriously, we would actually see that there's a big picture out there. And this kind of snapshot gives the snapshot of the whole thing of what we saw mirrored in all the four texts. You know, the sending church, the you know, preaching witness, the discipleship, church planning, all of this, the incorporation of the body, all of the things that we saw in the Great Commissions are actually found uh, in the, the cycle of the, uh, the, the church. And that to me is a really crucial and important uh, element for us to recapture in the life of the church.